0: propitiation. That's a fun word to say. It means to please a God that you've wronged in some way. Yeah, it's less fun of a task, for the wages of sin are, well, quite the ask. (laughs) If I put an altar up on this stage and sacrificed animals, there'd be outrage. The protests would start. The news would come in. The interviewed people would say, she should be the one who pays for her sin. She should be the one who pays for her sin. I should be the one who pays for my sin. But then Christ stepped in. A holy man I didn't know, but who knew me well? Oh my weakness, oh my hate, all oh, my inner hell. He chose to lay on that altar for all the times I have and would falter, for all the times my righteousness fell. And the craziest thing is this wasn't just some holy altruism that came from above, but a barrier breaker fueled by love. The atoning sacrifice that couldn't compare was so that when God opened the doors of his home, I could be there. And the power of this sacrifice makes it apply to the whole world. It wasn't just for this white, middle-class American girl. He died not for men, but for each man. And if you had been the only one made, he would have done no less. Again and again and again, his name is atoning sacrifice."
1: Thank you, Hannah. That was fantastic. That's hard to follow. (laughs) Atoning sacrifice. Man, that's an intimidating name, isn't it? For those of you that are new or you're watching online today or or maybe you're, you're here just for the first time, uh, there's a little method behind our madness here today, and behind me is a, is a massive cross. Biggest cross in Christianity. <laughs> behind that cross and the thorns are the names of Jesus, the names of God. We're in a year-long series on the names of God, getting to know God by name. And uh, throughout the year, every Sunday, we're going to put up a a different name and some of you are wondering i know you are how are going to get 52 names up there we're going to figure it out but to my uh, left-hand side your right-hand side you'll see the name that we're looking today and it's called atoning sacrifice now, you have notes, and you're going to have to follow along today because I'm going to do something a little bit different. We're going to get your bulletin out and get your notes out. And I've only, I've had grace on you because I know it's spring break, so you only have two fill-in-the-blanks today. I'm going to take it easy on you. Just two. You'll walk out of here with both of them filled in, and you're going to feel good about yourself. Two blanks we're going to look at today, and we're going to look at atoning sacrifice, and it's really found in, you'll see there in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. Amen. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Aren't you grateful for that today? Atoning sacrifice. Sandra really did a great job of explaining to kids what atoning means. Here's another definition. Atoning, sacrifice, simply means to exchange. In the original language, atonement means to exchange. Watch this. We exchange our guilt, our sin, our pain, our heartache, our weaknesses, and we exchange them for grace, mercy, kindness, goodness, forgiveness It's an incredible exchange. And Christ was the atoning sacrifice. In your notes, you'll see the definition. This is a, a, a one that I came up with. It's, it's just a simple way of explaining something really, really complicated. Atoning sacrifice is God's way of providing a way for mankind to enjoy a harmonious relationship with him through Christ's sacrifice. That's what atonement is. God has made a way so that you and I can have a great relationship with God because of what Christ has done on the cross. Now, this morning we're going to look at, at, at two men. You'll see the cross right in center stage, and that was the cross that Christ died on. You'll see two smaller crosses, one to my right and one to my left, and we're going to talk about really two viewpoints, Two attitudes, two perspectives. We're going to look at the two thieves on the cross, and we're going to examine their view, their worldview, their attitude, their perspective, their viewpoint in their last moments here on earth. In Luke chapter 23, I want to just read this story uh, with you uh, Just for the next few moments, it's called The Tale of Two Thieves. You are all familiar that Christ was not the only one that was sacrificed on Calvary's cross that day. There was two criminals that were sacrificed with him, and they each had a different, unique perspective of what took place that day. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. Amen. A Tale of Two Thieves. Here's Luke 23. Two other men, both criminals, everyone say criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. They came to a place, the skull, where they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, let me just stop just for a second right there. Who was Jesus forgiving in that moment? Now, don't answer it. It says there was two criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and then immediately it says, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I've always led to believe that Jesus was, was speaking to the soldiers who were crucifying him and causing him pain. I always thought Jesus was saying that that, that the soldiers who whipped him and, and beat him, that Jesus was speaking forgiveness over them. I was taught that when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, that Jesus was maybe forgiving Pilate who sentenced him to death. Or maybe he was forgiving the crowd who turned on him. And said, crucify him, crucify him. Could it be that Jesus was asking God the Father to forgive not only the soldiers, not only the government officials, not only the people who cried out crucify him, but could it be that Jesus was looking to his right and to his left He was forgiving the people closest to him. He was forgiving the two criminals. And he was forgiving you. And he was forgiving me. He was forgiving the crowd. He was forgiving the officials. He was forgiving the soldiers. But he was also forgiving the two people that were closest to him. One on his right and one on his left. Maybe, I I don't know, maybe as Jesus was saying that, maybe he looked to his right, and he looked at that cross, and that criminal that was on that cross, and he said, Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. Forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. You know what? The older I get, the more I realize that I don't know what in the world I'm doing. (laughs) At 20, man, I thought I knew. I'm 61 now, and I'm starting to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. I think it's pretty healthy to come to that realization every once in a while that we don't know what we're doing. You don't know what you're doing. We're walking through life. We're navigating through life. And some of you have like an attitude like you've got it all together and you know what you're doing. Can I tell you something? You don't know what you're doing. And the government officials didn't know what they were doing. The crowd didn't know what they were doing. The two criminals, they certainly didn't know what they're doing. That's why Jesus spoke to them. And I think he looked to his right and I think he looked to his left and he was releasing the two criminals that were closest to him. They were a breath away from death. And those two criminals had two totally unique and different perspectives as they were dying on that cross. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Can you imagine the audacity to be hurling insults? at Jesus Christ, and you're just a few minutes away from eternity? And yet one of them was hurling insults at him. The other, the Bible says, the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for what we are getting and what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing. Then Jesus said, then he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him and said, Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. What a powerful story as we get ready to finish Lent and move into Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. I want to talk about those two criminals, the tale of two thieves, two totally different viewpoints and perspectives. You're probably wondering, did did those criminals have... A name? And you know me, church. I think names are very important. Names give tremendous insight and meaning. There's no meaningless details in the Bible. And those two criminals had a name. They had a story. They had a face was something about their history and their makeup that caused them to do what they did, and now they're dying on the cross next to Jesus, and Jesus, his last few words, said, "Forgive this guy on my right. He doesn't know what he's doing. Forgive this guy on the left. He doesn't know what he's doing." They had a face, they had a story, they had a family, they had a background. They had a worldview. They had a name. The first guy that I want to talk about is the guy on my right, on your left, and his name is Justice. Beautiful name. Interestingly, his name means to complain. Isn't that interesting? The guy's dying on a cross and the last words from his mouth was to complain, to moan. I find it interesting that, 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 that he was just a few moments away from eternity. And his mindset, his worldview, his perspective was to complain. You know what the really crazy thing is? There's a lot of justice in our churches, in our communities, your family, people you work with. I'm gonna look in just a few moments, I'm gonna show you some characteristics. In fact, let's do that now. Here, on the back of your notes, I've listed uh, the spirit of justice and what justice is what his worldview was. Look at those notes with me. Uh, they focus on the negative. They're very pessimistic. They live in doubt and unbelief. The glass is always half empty. They're overwhelmed by shame and unworthiness. They can't forgive themselves. They walk in inferiority. They they, they can't accept what's been done for them. Their self-esteem is based on works, and they wallow in insecurity. And here he was, justice, just a few feet away from mercy, from goodness, from kindness, from eternal life. And his worldview was doubt, unbelief, insecurity. He couldn't accept what was done for him on Calvary's cross. He was insecure. He was inferior. His focus was shame. His focus was on what he didn't do. His focus was on on his weaknesses and his failures. And here is a guy named Justice a few moments away from eternity, and he didn't realize the goodness and the grace that was available for him through Calvary's cross. You ever met anybody like that? Yeah, there's, there's justices in, the, in this church. There's, there's people that can't accept what Christ has done for them. They're trying to work. They're trying to earn it. They're trying to be good to earn God's grace, and they don't realize that they're just a few feet away from mercy and kindness and goodness if they would just get rid of their weaknesses and their inferiority complexes. They could walk in freedom and liberty. See, this is just not talking about eternal life. This is talking about abundant life. And there's people here today watching online in the audience that that you're going to get to heaven, you're going to make it, but you're not experiencing abundant life here on earth now. See, eternity is about walking in victory here on earth and walking in victory in heaven. Do you believe that? There's an old hymn of the church. Bruce and Lisa know this. When we all get to heaven... What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus will sing and shout the victory. I like the song. Don't know who wrote it. There's people in this church today and people watching online and people in our lives and people in our world and people we work with. The only victory they're counting on is when they get to heaven. The only rejoicing is when they get to heaven. Can I tell you something, church? God wants you to have not only eternal life, he wants you to have abundant life. And he doesn't want you to wait till you get to heaven to walk in victory. Oh, what a day of rejoicing it will be. In the meantime, I'm going to moan. In the meantime, I'm going to complain. In the meantime, I'm only a few feet away from grace and goodness and kindness, but I'm going to look at the world half empty. And I'm going to complain my way and moan my way and not walk in rejoicing and not walk in victory till I get to heaven. God wants us to have eternal life, and he wants us to have abundant life. And you cannot walk an abundant life when you are focusing on your weaknesses, your insecurities, your failures, and you're not, you don't have the ability to accept the grace of God to give you the victory through Jesus Christ. It's not about works. It's not about trying to be good. It's not about trying to earn it. It's about the forgiveness and the atonement That has been made on Calvary's cross that gives us the ability to walk in victory today and tomorrow. We're going to get to heaven and we will rejoice in heaven and we will experience victory. But I want people in Belle Isle Community Church to walk in victory now. And you walk in victory by accepting What Jesus Christ has done for you on Calvary's cross. By exchanging your sin for the sacrifice that was done on Calvary's cross. And there are people that are just a few short feet away, but they never get it. Grace and goodness and kindness is available to you through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, let's look at just real quickly the second thief. Who had a name and a family and a story and a background? His name Dismas. I love this name. His name means Sunset. Hmm. Maybe that's why Jesus said to him, Dismiss, at the end of the day, when the sun goes down, when we see the sunset, you're going to be with me in paradise. I like sunsets. In fact, I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. Guys, go ahead and do that. Uh, This is Turtle K... Bahamas. We went there a couple weeks ago for our vacation. We took Austin on his first trip in three and a half years. Thanks to Charlie and Stephanie. This is off of their balcony overlooking that beautiful sunset. Isn't that beautiful? This is the only vacation I've ever been on where we didn't turn the TV on. One time. Keep, keep showing those sunsets. Just keep rolling that. Never turn the TV on once. Wonder why that is. Because when you can look at that, what in the world will compare to what's on TV? You know what I like about sunsets? I've never met anyone who stresses out looking at a sunset. Have you ever had anyone look at that and go, oh, oh, my God, I got I to do something. <laughs> this is just stressing me out. I mean, I can't hit. No, when you look at a sunset, watch this. You just sit back and enjoy and accept. You don't have to do a thing, but simply accept the beauty and enjoy it. When Dismas was hanging on the cross next to Christ, He did the same things that this guy did. They were both criminals and guilty. But for whatever reason, this guy, and I want to be like him, he had the ability, because of his name, to sit and accept and to rest he was a few moments from death and yet he had the ability watch this church to receive the atonement to receive the grace to receive the mercy that was available to him. And his name is true. He just sat back and accepted it by faith. I like that. I want to I be like him. There was no stress. There was no anxiety. There was no performance. He was simply... Resting in the great exchange that was getting ready to take place. His guilt, his sin, exchanged for goodness, kindness, and mercy. Powerful. Look at some of the attributes uh, 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 of dismiss that are way, 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 way way different than, than than Justice. He had a clear understanding of who, who he was and what Christ could do for him. He rested in God's sovereignty. He was secure in God's grace. He walked in confidence. He was full of faith. His self esteem was built on what was done for him. And he humbly accepted Christ's forgiveness. He had childlike faith. Are y'all with me this morning? I really do believe that God wants to give you eternal life. I really do believe that God wants to give you abundant life. And if you want to have abundant life, you and I need to act more like dismiss than justice. Rest. Sunset. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on how good you were or how bad you were. It's based on having childlike faith that says, God, I want to live the abundant life, and I know that it's made possible through the atonement that was given to me. I accept it by faith. I know I got issues. I know I got weaknesses. I know I'm working on some things, but I want to be like you. I want to be like a child. I want to rest. I want to have a sunset. I want to sit back and simply accept by faith what's been done for me me. And yet you got people and churches and offices and families that have a totally different mentality and they're not living the abundant life. Are y'all still with me? The tale of two thieves. And the real issue here today is you're one of these two criminals. I'm one of these two criminals. It's really just the choice is Which one are you going to live like? Now, I've got 10 more minutes. Can I give you something? Can I give you a little bit more? Do you want more or are you just satisfied with this? I've got a little bit more. I mean, I've got more to give you. I'll go online and do it if you want me to or I'll give it to you. I'm going to give you a, an Old Testament Example and a New Testament example of the spirit of justice and dismiss. Let's go right at the beginning to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve. Perfect example of having a justice attitude. Adam and Eve. Look at their story in Genesis chapter 3. We don't have time to go there. I've listed out just a couple of things, but here's the story of Adam and Eve. They were confused. They were easily led astray. They quickly fell into temptation. They blamed each other. It's not it's not my responsibility. It's it's my wife's. It's it's the president of the United States. He he's the issue. It's it's my kindergarten teacher. It's not my. So Adam and Eve now start to blame each other and not take responsibility. They ran from God. You know the story. They hid in the bushes and they covered themselves with fig leaves. Can I tell you something interesting? That word fig leaf? In the original language, that word means armor. Trying to protect myself. These are just not fig leaves. This is armor. I'm not going to get hurt ever again. I'm not going to let anyone ever do that to me again. And so Adam and Eve were hiding in the bushes. They had been tempted. They they, they fell into temptation. And now they're hiding in the bushes, and they're covering themselves with armor. Guess what? You and I cover ourselves every day with armor. Certain outfit, a dress a suit, T-shirts and jeans, and you're covering yourself like Adam and Eve with armor to protect yourself. Doesn't sound like Adam and Eve are living the abundant life, does it? Just a few hours ago, they were walking with God in the garden, and now because of temptation, they're cold, hiding, hiding, in the bushes, covering themselves with man-made armor. And God comes on the scene and says, where are you? How many know that God knew where they were? Yeah, he wanted them to know where they were. We're here, God. Just like justice. Not living the abundant life. Complaining. Complaining focusing on all our weaknesses and our insecurities and our failures, and we're here in the bushes, and we're cold, and we're naked, and we're covered in armor. They were unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and they never reached their full potential. Gave birth to Cain and Abel, and one of them was a murderer. Murderer. I don't know about you, but I I don't want to live like Adam and Eve. I don't know about you, I want to live like Dismas. Let's go to the New Testament real quickly. Let's look at a a different New Testament character that had a totally different perspective on his Damascus Road experience. His name is Saul. Are you all with me? Acts chapter 9. Saul, his name was Saul. It was turned to Paul. Had a radical encounter. His eyes were blinded, but his heart was open. Scales fell from his eyes. He had a heart of repentance. His pride was broken. He walked in humility. His behavior changed. His passion was refocused, and his destiny was fulfilled. Because he accepted by faith the grace and the goodness and the mercy of Christ. He received the atonement that changed his life and changed his behavior and changed his future and his destiny. I don't know about you, but I want to to be like Saul. I want to be like Paul. By the way, Saul, uh, Paul's name means, I love this, little His name means small. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And his mom calls him small. Little. Are you kidding me? But he approached the cross with humility, he approached the grace that was available to him like a child. In an instant, he was changed from a murderer to a preacher in just a few short days. And he lived a life of destiny, and he made it to heaven, and he didn't have to wait to get to heaven to enjoy victory because he walked in the mercy and the grace and the kindness of Jesus Christ because of Calvary's cross. He accepted the exchange. He exchanged his murderous, angry, mean life for a life of incredible grace, mercy, kindness, and goodness because of Calvary's cross. Now, here's the takeaway. Bruce, if you come to the keyboard here, I'll. bottom line here today church is this you have one of two choices and i want you to live in victory i want you to live in abundant life i want you to rejoice now before you get to heaven and you do that by living a life of grace and realize that it's not your works It's not your goodness. It's not your kindness. It's all because of the name atoning sacrifice. It's been done for you. Walk in it. Live in it. Accept it like a little child and ask God to change you like he did Saul. He can do that today. See, I'm just not talking about eternal life. I'm talking about abundant life. I'm going to to pray for people. And this is going to get real uncomfortable. And I'm okay with that. You know, I get people say to me all the time, Pastor Scott, I really enjoyed your message. And I appreciate that. And I know what you mean. But can I tell you something? There's going to be some times where you're not going to enjoy my messages. And that's okay. Okay. Here's the takeaway. There's a little bit of justice in you. And God wants to root it out. And God wants you to exchange your carnality, your weaknesses, your failures, your insecurities, your hang-ups. He wants to be the atoning sacrifice for you. He wants to exchange all that to give you goodness, kindness, mercy, grace, and forgiveness. It's a great exchange. Now, can I be honest with you here this morning? You got issues. And you're the only one that doesn't know it. Ask your wife. Ask your kids. Ask your husband. Ask your pastor. Ask the people you work with. Am I more like justice or am I like dismiss? Am I living under the law trying to earn it and, and focused on my weaknesses? And I'm a breath away from eternal life and I can't even, I'm so full of pride. I can't even on my deathbed accept grace. You talk about stubborn. Boy, I've met some stubborn people before. I think this guy takes a cake. I'm going to my deathbed living the way I want to live, being the way I am, and no one's going to change me. How's that working for you? Stubborn, proud. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Dismas. I want to be like that sunset. I just want to sit and just say, God, there's no good in me. I can't do this on my own. I can't live the abundant life that you've promised me. Help me to accept by faith like a child that you want to change me. God, I want to be like Saul to Paul. I want to be different. I want to be new. I want to live the abundant life that you promised me. I need you to forgive me and help me. Give me the grace and mercy to live the kind of life that you want to live. Now here's the takeaway. If there's a little bit of justice in you, We're going to pray that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would begin to remove that from your life. The pride would be broken, that you would just humble yourself and ask. The Bible says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It doesn't mean like you're a bad person. I mean, we're all bad. We're all criminals. Come on guys, we're all criminals. We're all bad. Except for Christ's grace and mercy, goodness and kindness, it's available today. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have those of you that there's, there's something, something you've been battling, something you know that you need to work on, something that is just more like justice than it is dismiss. I'm going to have you come and join me and stand me right here. We're going to pray that God would continue to do a work in your life and your heart and move you from this side to that side. From barely making it to abundant life. And it happens when you just humble yourself and say, God, I need some help. Would you help me today? So if that's you, I want you to come right now and come stand with me on this side. I'm going to pray for you.